you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Welcome back to the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. This has been an interview like a year in the making, people. A year in the making. So this is Sarah from the Women With Fire. I get to be your host today. And really, truly, I have been knocking on the door of this girl for the past year to get her on our wonderful podcast. So can we all cheer and welcome Mel from Mel's Kitchen Cafe. Mel, I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You're so sweet. We are going to get right down to business with her because Mel is really a phenomenon in many ways. And I feel really honored that I've actually met her and I have hugged her and I have sat by her and I have felt of her spirit and her optimism and and just how real deal she is. So if you read her blog at Mel's Kitchen Cafe, you're going to know she's a fabulous cook. She really is a purposeful mom and she really tries to uplift people and all of it's real. Like, well, you know, as real as you can get online, you don't see my house. You're not seeing my house right now. That's really real. <laughs> Next time on the pod, we've got to somehow get video in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Scary. <laughs> and I, I have made dozens of her recipes. I did not get to try anything that you cooked. So I can't vouch for the realness of your food. <laughs> right. Um, but success comes in many forms. So we are so glad to have her here. She is if you want to quote unquote, or she's a food blogger. That's what you do, right, Mel? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've always n- like not really loved that term. Um, but you know, for better or for worse, that's what I that's what I am. So if you had a dream of what you could be called, what would you <laughs> want people to call you besides a food blogger? You know, that is a really great question. I don't know, something like Mother of the Year. Mel, the girl next door who's a rock star in the kitchen. No, that's too long. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I'd have to have more time to think about it. I just feel like food blogger is like, it like sums up just such a small part of what I do. And maybe that's it. You know what I mean? Maybe any title that I'd want would be way too long for a business card. I don't know. Food blogger is just like, oh, there's millions of food bloggers. Like, Please tell me I'm different, but maybe I'm not. You know what I mean? I don't know. Those are all my insecurities coming out. Well, there's no there's no doubt that there's a reason we wanted to talk to you specifically, and it is because you stand out in the world of food blogging. And so I want to dive straight in to what some of our listeners want to know. A lot of our listeners are beginning with ideas in their head, and they might say, I want to blog about the food I love to cook and eat. That's what I want to do. Or I may want to start a, a fashion blog, or I may want to, you know, sell this mm-hmm. or, or be involved in that. But their biggest fear is exactly what you just said, that there are millions of food bloggers out there. Have they missed the mark? And how did you make this happen for you? Well, I don't think they've missed the mark at all. In fact, I'm kind of a grandma in the blogging world because I started 10 years ago. In fact, I just rolled through my 10-year anniversary. And, you know, back then, my mom thought blog was a bad word. Like, when I started my blog, she's like, Mel, is this appropriate? I'm like, Mom, don't worry. Like, it's totally fine, you know? But going through that 10 years, 
there have been bloggers that have started so many different types, fashion, food, lifestyle, that have far surpassed what I'm doing in terms of like straight numbers. And the number game, I think, is a difficult one to manage and to play as you start out a blog. And even as you continue with any type of website, because there's so much comparison and there's so much of this worry of like, well, how come I only have this many followers or this much traffic when someone started two years ago and they, you know, have blown up. And so I guess that's the long way to say, I don't think that it's like a finite world of blogging. Like there's only so many blogs that can fit into the web space, but I do feel like people have to set themselves apart somehow. And I think there's a, there's tons and tons and tons, thousands, millions maybe of blogs that kind of just exist. Like they're just there and, and they kind of fly under the radar. And then there's those blogs that set themselves apart. And I, I don't even know which one I am, to be honest. I would like to think that I have like an established identity on the web, but I also know that that's a huge space to fill. Um, and so I get a lot of people emailing me and saying, what would be your advice for starting out? Or what could I do if I was going to start a blog? And my biggest piece of advice for anybody is, and I know this is not popular, is to not start out to make money. And I know that's kind of difficult feedback to get because I mean, that's a lot of our bottom line, right? I mean, that's not why I blog anymore, but it's a huge part of my blog. It's a huge part well, of what's... And it's often what determines success in a very large view, right? People will say, right, exactly. oh, yeah, she's got numbers, but she's also making money. And that must mean she's a big deal. So right, she's made it or, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like maybe my advice is a little skewed since I'm kind of an accidental career woman in terms of blogging. I didn't start out to make a living blogging or contribute to my family's finances, but that's how it's worked out. And I'm so grateful for that. I cannot, I cannot minimize the gratitude I feel for that. And the very real blessings that have come from that for our family when my husband has been out of work. And I have seen, because I, I believe in God and I have a spiritual feeling about my life, I see the Lord's hand in how he's created this path for me and how it's helped my family. However, my advice still stays the same, which is, I think if your intentions are to start um, an online presence with a goal to make money, your priorities can quickly be skewed. Um, and I feel like if there's one thing that I, I say to my, I say this to my husband all of the time, I say to him, you better delete my blog the day that I change who I am. Um, because that's been so important to me from the beginning is even though my blog has increased in traffic and by virtue of that increase in revenue and sponsorship opportunities, those things that have come my way, I could not live with myself if I changed who I am or who I started out being. And so I think it, I think for me, for those people that ask me, I think my biggest piece of advice is start out with something, start out with who you want to be who you want your online presence to be and stay true to that. And it's going to ebb and flow. We all know that after over 10 years, my blog has changed, even the style of recipes I post. So I'm not saying change is bad, but I feel like staying true to who you are and your purposes really will set you apart. I really think that that has been key for me. So, so does it, I now have like 45 questions written down. <laughs> so be prepared for like part one, two, three, and four okay, of Mel's right. podcast. Okay. 
<laughs> so one of my questions, one of the things that you brought up is that you feel if if you're directed right at the beginning, right of the right out of the gate with trying to make money, that it can skew your path or your vision or something like that. Can you get specific with us and and our listeners on what does what does a skewed feeling look like or feel like? Um, how do you know when you're approaching kind of that moment where uh, I think that my intentions aren't rock solid? What does it look like in the blogging world? I definitely think it's going to look different for each person. And I guess as you rephrase that question, I guess my caveat should be if that's the type of online presence you're striving for, I think it's okay. I think that's valid. I, I guess I should bring it back to myself a little bit and say for me personally, if my motives were completely financial based, even completely um, in a good way, I mean, we have to have financial goals and we have to have financial priorities. Um, some of us women, I, not me in my particular situation, but there's a lot of women that are sole financial providers for their families and those goals have to be in place and they need to be rock solid. So I don't want to minimize the fact that blogging can be um, a financial benefit and that can make money. But I think it's all about like good, better, best in terms of priorities. And for me, I feel like that has um, boiled down to balancing those priorities and saying, I am going to make money and I want to make more money. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad goal to have. But if that goal overshadows who I am as a blogger, and for me, that has come, and this is the very personal part because. I have to be careful not to minimize the goals of other bloggers. But for me, that has come from feeling at points of my blog that I'm focusing more on getting paid to say something versus saying it because I want to say it, knowing I'm not going to make as much money. Does that make sense? And and that's just a personal goal is staying really true to how I feel. And I it's interesting. Um, I have had so much support in the sphere of blogging from other bloggers, both men and women. Um, but there has been a lot of criticism that's come. And I remember a couple years ago going through um, a situation. I, I lived in the Midwest for a really long time, most of the last 15 years. And out there, there's not a lot of bloggers. I mean, they, there was a smattering and, and I was in Minnesota and there was a, a few that lived in the Minneapolis area. But we, a couple years ago, we moved to Idaho and I am now in this Utah, Idaho belt of bloggers. And it's awesome in so many ways because like moving to the Boise area, which is where I live, there's already like some really established food bloggers here. That's been phenomenal. Um, but I was able to really stay out of some of the inner workings of the blogging world when I lived in the, in the Midwest. Anyway, so a couple of years ago, after I'd moved back, I was in a conversation with, um, with a, another blogger. And she said to me, um, she said, you give blogging a bad name because you refuse to, um, do sponsored posts. That's what we were talking about. And, and I was trying to explain to her, it wasn't my refusal to do them. It was my desire to balance how I saw my blog and how I wanted to see it in the future with sponsored posts. And I realized after talking to her, she, she wasn't even being critical. I think she was just making a statement, kind of an observation. And maybe we all have insecurities and I think maybe both of ours were coming out in the conversation. But, um, but I realized after that, that, um, 
there's a real sense, there's kind of like these unwritten rules of like an online presence, blogging and social media. And I will tell you, Sarah, it has not been popular for me to do, but every time I sense an unwritten rule, I literally scratch it off my subconscious list. I won't do it. And so, so in terms of like growth, I probably have shuttered some growth opportunities and I've had to be okay with that. And I've had some guilt over it and I've had some, you know, come to Jesus moments where I'm like, maybe I do need to be more open-minded. But, but for me particularly, my whole goal is to stay true to that feeling I have inside that I'm, that I'm blogging how I need to be blogging. And for me, and it sounds silly because we're talking chocolate chip cookies here, for me, it is prayerful. It is so prayerful for me, not in terms of like, please help me be more successful, but please help me make a difference in the way that I can and still be successful doing it. Does that make any sense? That was a really long answer. Oh, but. it makes so much sense and it resonates. And one of the things I'm noticing here, we're in season three of the Women With Fire podcast, and I am noticing a commonality with some of these wonderful, incredible, influential women like you that we have interviewed. And that is the ability to walk away from low hanging fruit. And, and I'm not going to talk yeah, about I like that. I like the low hanging fruit. I like the idea of that. And yeah, and so it's very, you know, symbolic of, you know, are you going to go for what's easy or what the unwritten rule is like, the the very clear path because this is how right. everybody's doing it but i gotta tell you mel like it's gutsy it's super gutsy to just say i'm not gonna do it or i i don't feel good about this sponsored post when when you've got dollar signs coming in which is very motivated motivating and often essential for some of our listeners to survive and support their yeah, families absolutely. and all those things so so kind of let me pull this in and give us your wisdom on how do you in that moment not fall for the easy road? For me, honestly, it is a physical feeling. I cannot do it. Like I can not do it. And and it sounds so dramatic. I realize as I state this out loud, I really need to get out more and talk to real life humans because as I'm actually talking and like saying these things out loud, I realize how cliche it sounds. And I actually hope I'm not a cliche person, but I, um, I, I cannot do it. Like, uh, I'm trying to think how I can phrase this. I would be sick. I would be sick if I took some of those opportunities. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy for me not to. I have had many things that have happened where I've turned down some opportunities or, um, I've been overlooked because of I think people start to realize maybe kind of my my philosophy and blogging and I have shed a lot of tears over it. I mean it's not been like oh I'm not going to do that and I'm totally fine and I can easily move on. It's been angsty and it's been hard and it's been difficult but every single time and like I mentioned before making it a matter of prayer has definitely helped me try to figure out what priorities I need to make. But every single time, you know, when you make a decision and you're not quite sure in that moment, as you make it, if it is the right decision. And instantly when that decision is made, I cannot even replace the feeling of peace. Nothing could replace that feeling of peace. And I feel like that feeling of peace is my answer. It's the payment for saying, 
I am willing to pass this up now. Maybe I won't pass these opportunities up forever, but right now, how I feel about blogging, I'm passing it up right now, or I'm saying no, or I'm not going to pursue this. And I guess all I can say is just that feeling of peace is really what keeps me kind of centered and focused. So are you, you talk about kind of your go-to is on your knees, you believe in God, that that is your go-to to to speak with him about what the direction is going to be. Are you also a, I mean, do you, are you kind of a silent sufferer or are you <laughs> talking with your husband? Are you, do you have a best friend? Like how yeah, do you so work through it? Yeah, that's so funny because like if, if my husband listens to this part, he will die laughing. I am not a silent sufferer. I am a um, ball to my husband. And sometimes I think he feels like, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't realize I'd be a blogging therapist. Like that's basically what oh. I am, you know, is he, but he, I mean, he's great. He's, I tease him all the time. He has his own job. He works outside of the home, but um, he gives himself certain titles for my blog. Sometimes he's like chief marketing assistant if I really want to go after a brand and I, I sick him on that. But mostly he will say, I'm, I'm Mel's therapist. I'm the one that she can vent to. And I am so appreciative that he's very level headed. He's very business minded. He has an MBA and that kind of helps um, balance out some of my fly by the seat of my pants or emotionality of blogging. But I, I am not a silent sufferer. I will say though, outside of my husband, I don't have a lot of maybe stronger connections. And I will say that blogging for me, I'll, you're just going to have to turn into my therapist for a moment. Blogging for me has been so rewarding in so many ways. The, the connections I've made online and virtually with readers as I've shared more personal things and even just through recipes as they've shared things with me has been invaluable. But I do feel like blogging has been isolating for me. Um, personally, and from like a social perspective. And I think that's my own fault. I tend to be kind of a homebody anyway. And I really, really try to cultivate a good atmosphere at home, because it's where I love to be. Um, and I, I am not social outside social experiences don't fill my well as much as being at home. That in combination with blogging has been isolating for me. And I sometimes am wishing I could bridge that gap better. Not that I want other people to maybe vent to about blogging, but maybe more people to understand my life of blogging. And I don't know that many people do. I know um, there's some sweet, dear people in my area that live here now that think I just love to make chocolate chip cookies, which I do. And there is no disputing that. But I don't know without me, I, I don't know how to... I, I don't think they understand all the work that goes into it. Does that make sense? Like the hours I'm spending late at night, the spreadsheets I'm putting together, the strategic part of it, the business part of it, the back end part of it, but I'm not the type to go out and explain that. Does that make sense? So in some ways I do feel sometimes isolated, but that's of my own doing. That's that's my own fault. I, th I think it's really brilliant, Mel. It makes me think of President Gordon B. Hinckley once said that the price of leadership is loneliness. Oh, and I can see that. I think about that a lot. And if you put yeah. a little bit of a modern twist on it, the, the price of influence is often loneliness. And that has been so much, in my opinion, of what makes your food blog for use of, you know, lack of a better term. Sorry, Mel. No, I like it. It's fine. <laughs> 
But that is really what makes it stand out to me is that you you are there to better people. You are there to gather families. You are there to uplift people. You are there to give people a reason to gather. Um, you know, all those kinds of things come into play, but there is a real reality of loneliness. And many of our listeners feel that, especially in the early stages where, you know, they would love to be able to go after a brand they're excited about, but don't even know where to start. And right. they, they wish that they could express the challenges that they face late at night. And, and I'll just share one small thing. And I would love your answer to this for many of our women who are pursuing new ideas and challenges that I, I often felt as I would show up to play group when I had, you know, this successful business running and somehow friends and, you know, friends had found out about it and that kind of thing. And I'd show up to play group and it was like, no one knew how to talk to me. <laughs> and that doesn't mean like I'm awesome. That doesn't mean I'm intimidating in any sense, but it's almost like they, they see that you've either got numbers online or followings online or something like that. And there's a wall, like, can I, what can I talk to you about? I have no idea how to connect right. with you. What right. do you tell people that are in the pangs of loneliness and and want they they want more you know social connections and those things? Where where do they go to fill their bucket that way? Well, I mean, I think that's definitely going to be individual based on people's desires and what they're after. But I will say the ultimate irony in this a little bit is because I totally know what you're saying, your experience that you share. Because even feeling those feelings, there's this other part of me, which is why people are probably like, you can never be pleased. There's this other part of me that's like, don't define me just as a food blogger. Does that make sense? Like, that's not all, that's not just who I am. And, and I was expressing this to you earlier on in the conversation. That's sometimes maybe the most isolating part of this for me is feeling like, I think when people find out or they get to know me or they, you know, like you said, they, they peruse Instagram or Facebook and realize, well, there's a following here. That's where they pigeonhole me. And I don't have many more talents than cooking, but I, it's not all of who I am. Like I love to talk about books and I love to read and I love to talk about parenting and motherhood and those kinds of things. And so for me, I feel a little bit like my advice would be, and this is advice I need to like write down and staple onto my own forehead is to, I think it takes more effort, but you have to, you have to define yourself to those social circles. And instead of being intimidated or maybe feeling like, you know, irritated that they don't know how to talk to you or they're not making an effort maybe go in a little bit more forcefully to say, this is who I am. And I think for me, especially, and I guess just from personal experience, it usually eases a little bit of that awkwardness when they find out, oh, she doesn't just want to talk about her blog. In fact, it's actually kind of the opposite with me. I'd rather, I love it when people come up to me and say, I've made a recipe or do you have a recipe for this? Or I saw this post you did. But I think when they realize, oh, Mel actually isn't as self-centered about her blog as we thought she would be. She has other interests. That helps to ease some of that maybe awkward tension. So I think in a lot of ways, we all do that. We all kind of pigeonhole people into what we identify them as who they are. It's, it's easy to do. We all do it. And it doesn't matter if that's a stay-at-home mom. 
It doesn't matter if it's a career woman who works outside of the home or someone that works inside the home. We do it and it's easy to do. And then I have found myself in similar situations feeling like, how do I talk to this person? Because I know that she's a dentist and I would have nothing in common with a woman who's that smart or, you know, does this. And then I realized she's so much more than that. And so I don't think it's just us bloggers, like you've said, other women that may struggle with this, that feel that way. We all do it. And I think taking a step back and saying, let's, I don't know, look at the bigger picture, I guess. I've had to, I've had to ease some of that tension myself in certain groups at church and other ways. I think, like I said, when people realize, oh, that is such a relief. Mel doesn't want to just talk about, you know, food and blogging. I think they're, they're sometimes relieved about that, but... I think you're right. You know, putting yourself in an opportunity in which you can take the pressure off can really ease most people, I would imagine. Hopefully, yeah. Most people. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Now, one thing that fascinates me and that is particularly awesome about the podcast space um, with with our podcast is we can talk really bluntly about women with fire, meaning people with the spirit that are there with God on their side, trying to make a difference. And for some of our newer listeners, this may seem like a foreign concept to include God in your business endeavors. And you've already mentioned multiple times how you regularly pray and you want to do what he wants you to do. What if, what if this, it seems so natural to like pray, pray about your family and pray about your health and, and, you know, pray about the world and all these kinds of things, but what you should write on a blog, like tell us about how God works in your business and what you've experienced with him. Yes, I can totally see where you're going with that. Um, I, my prayers are not specific in terms of, you know, please help me phrase the wording of my posts necessarily. Sure, um, sure. But I, for me, I feel very strongly that, that each of us have a personal ministry. And it actually goes back to a devotional I heard a long time ago that one of those like life altering devotionals. And I remember I was chatting with some friends about it and we were talking about what is your personal ministry? Like if you, if you, we were actually talking in terms of some of these really amazing nonprofits that have happened like Underground Railroad and some of these, you know, Tim Ballard and some of these people that literally are changing lives and rescuing lives. And, and, and I think, and if I remember right, he, or it was someone else that had given this devotional. And so in terms of that, I started to feel like, oh my goodness, 
what is my personal ministry? Surely it can't just be food because that's almost embarrassing, right? Like it's, it's not consequential. It's not something that really could change lives. And, and I've really reflected on that a lot over the years and come to the place where I feel like my personal ministry is extremely fluid and it's always changing. And instead of having to identify a personal ministry that's going to carry me through the next 40 years, literally my personal ministry is every day, are my priorities in the right place? And what am I doing? Who do I need to reach today? Who do I need to serve? And so for me, I I do pray over my blog, but my prayers over my blog and that real pleading for guidance has been focused on what can I do? Like, what can I, how can I respond to this person that emailed me? Or um, what project can I take on that will have a lasting impact? Um, Whether that's family menu plans. And I've really, I, I really had to let go, Sarah, this feeling that what I'm doing is not as important as rescuing children from slavery. Because And it's kind of like not everybody can cure cancer, right? Like not everybody can be out doing those things, but it does not minimize the fact that we are all trying to do good in our own realm. And, and I've had to, that it sounds silly, but that's something I've really had to come to terms with. Like I've really had to gain peace about that. Should I be doing more? Should I give up my blog and go do more? Should I start a nonprofit? Should I do some of those things? Those are all valuable, wonderful things. But there's also value in what I'm doing now. Does that mean I'll be blogging about food in 10 years? I don't know. I don't even think about that. I maybe that's a bad business plan to not even think about the next, you know, decade, I think of the future, I have goals. But for me, I've had to say, right now, I am a quote, unquote, food blogger. It's what I do. And I want to do it as intentionally as possible. So those are the kinds of things I I pray about, like just the day to day, like what can I do today with my blog? And some of that honestly has been things that will never really be seen on my blog in the sense of people that I've been able to respond to personally via email and they've helped me and I've helped them work through things. And And some of those are things that I think the Lord has just given me tender mercies to say what you are doing is valid and what you are doing is helping somebody somewhere. No, no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it that that's what you're doing. And and one of the things about your blog that is so great is it seems, and I am not minimizing the effort that a blog in any shape or form takes, but it's so present to me. When, like you said, when you talk about just the many areas of your life that you are tackling, whether, you know, reading and parenting and cooking and, and all those kinds of things that it allows readers to kind of hang with you and, and to learn from you and to, to find that, okay, here's someone that's exploring motherhood and being a parent and, and all those kinds of things. And it really makes you so relatable that way. And I would imagine it also, 
helps with the whole authenticity factor. I know that that is a huge challenge for so many people is how do I sound authentic? How do I, you know, find my voice and who I am and those kinds of things. But you've allowed your mission. Um, what, what was the word that you were using? Your your quest, your personal ministry, your personal Sorry. ministry. Yeah, that your personal ministry can be fluid and to allow yourself to, to honor that and to be part of that. Yeah. And I think it can change. And I also feel like that kind of goes back to what I've told my husband and I don't really even, I'm not even teasing when I say it, but the minute I feel like I, I'm not authentic online is the day that I know I'll need to be done. Does that make sense? And that's just me. That's my personal goal with my blog. That's not, that's not everybody's. And it shouldn't be because we all have a different purpose, I feel like in whatever we're pursuing. But for me, the minute I cannot be authentic for whatever reason, the other projects I'm pursuing or whatever happens is the day I'll have to be done because I value authenticity so much in other people. It's who I gravitate to people that are authentic and who are real. They can share the hard, they can share the good, they can be confident, they can be insecure. And I want to be that too. Does that make sense? And even though it's just food. And I say that tongue in cheek because it's so much more than food. But even though it's just food, I want it to be a space where people can feel that, you know, like I'm the girl next door. Like I'm literally not that different from you. In fact, this is funny. I did a presentation at BYU a couple years ago. And like I said, I don't get out that often. I am like, probably on the verge of being a hermit. I don't know. I'd have to classify that. Somehow. And we like, all benefit <laughs> from it. Thank you for all you What's do. What's the line between being like a functional homebody and a hermit? I'm not sure. I'm somewhere in between there. But anyway, so I I go to BYU. I'm doing this presentation. There's like hundreds of people there. I was super stressed about what I was wearing because I'm like obviously not a fashion blogger. You won't see that kind of stuff on my blog. But I, when I was there, I had this like panicky feeling like what if people meet me and they're let down like they're like oh like this is this is who she is like what a letdown you know and I remember like I said my husband I he's my therapist I remember like just saying what am I gonna do like what and he said no it doesn't matter he's like it literally doesn't matter if they're let down then they don't then they don't want to know the real you anyway because you're not going to be any different in person then online, you're still going to tell dorky jokes, you're still going to laugh, you know, really loud, you're still going to maybe overshare. And it's okay, you know, so anyway, I, but I do have those moments. Those are the this is the insecurity of Mel coming out is that feeling of, I'm always this presence online, that doesn't change that much. What are people going to think when they meet me? But that's why then I just choose to stay home because then <laughs> no one has to meet me. So well, don't don't keep doing that. Definitely, we need we need you out there. But what one of the amazing things that's coming to my mind here is I'm like, here's a self proclaimed hermit that is greatly influencing the world. Like, has it ever blown your mind that the time that you live in that you can be a hermit and still influence tens and thousands of people out there? Well, I will tell you a very common dinner conversation around my table when my children are gagging on dinner is I look at them and say, I don't care what you think. There are 3 million people that love me. So you can Classic. gag all you want. Yeah. And I'm sure my kids are going to, I mean, they look at me like, mom, you aren't all you're cracked up to be. But anyway, so, but we talk about that a lot. And I remember having this distinct feeling. We lived in Minnesota, this tiny little town. And I 
when I was there, I just struggled more with some anxiety and probably some mental health issues than I had in the past, just by virtue of where we were living and life circumstances and, and babies and postpartum and so many, so many factors. But I remember one very particular moment and I don't have the greatest memory. So the fact that this still stays with me, I remember sitting in, we had kind of this A-frame house and my computer desk was up in the upstairs. I remember sitting there and it was dark and really cold. And I just, you know, I just felt depressed for lack of a better description. I just was feeling down. And I remember a distinct feeling. And honestly, I can't tell you what it was. I, I would love to think it's the spirit. Maybe, maybe it was my own mind. I don't know what it was, but I remember this feeling very strongly coming over me saying, you may not feel like you are worth very much right now, but you are worth a lot to a lot of people. And what you're doing is making a difference. And it's all I needed to kind of keep going. Does that make sense? Like to realize that um, sometimes it is, it is strange to me. Like here I sit in my house, largely taking care of my family, doing the stuff that most other moms and women are doing every day. Um, but there's a lot of people there's, I have a lot of traffic and that does sometimes blow my mind a little bit, but in a lot of ways, it's a, such a tender mercy to me. It's, it's honestly the thing that keeps me going, realizing that, that those days where I feel like I am failing or I feel like what I'm doing isn't enough. I realize that it is, I realize that it is, it is benefiting, not even that mass of traffic as a whole, it's benefiting individuals in that lump of traffic. And you've talked a lot about those people that have reached out and that you've been able to connect with and all those things. And, and you, you are, you, you know, you're a self-proclaimed hermit, we talked about. You're also a self-proclaimed oversharer. <laughs> and I want to ask you something really blunt. Okay. It's just part of my nature here a little bit. You have talked about that you have had postpartum and babies and challenges living in certain places that you've lived. And what has motherhood been like for you with those experiences? Wow, there, that's, a, that's a loaded question for me. Um, motherhood has been the most wonderful, bittersweet experience of my life. I feel like I didn't get married as early as I thought I would, which is so funny in terms of um, just how people perceive age of marriage. So when I did get married and started having children, it was a huge blessing to me. I feel like it was something that I had wanted and had prayed for. And, um, but I didn't realize how motherhood can break your heart and how difficult it would be. And I remember actually kind of out of anger going back to my own mom at some point in having five kids and saying, you never told me, like, you never told me how difficult this would be. But I will say, this makes me emotional. There is nothing that I feel more strongly about than motherhood. It is honestly my anchor. It is why I put one foot in front of the other. It is honestly the guiding force of my life. And I say all that knowing that most days I feel like I'm failing as a mom. Like we all have those feelings. I feel like there's so many things I need to change. But that's that's honestly what keeps me kind of moving. And I, I feel like motherhood has been one of those things 
like almost everything in my life, kind of how I referenced like my personal ministry earlier, it is like this ever-changing fluid journey of what what is motherhood? What is motherhood to me? What does it mean to me? And um, am I doing enough? And am I okay with the effort that I'm making? And I feel like that for me has had to be a huge component. I just have a family history of mental health with anxiety and depression. And while I've been blessed maybe not to have it as severely as some of my other family members, I struggle. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with those feelings of um, not being enough, not doing enough. And I have had to make a huge effort in my life. And I keep a journal just dedicated to this of basically allowing letting the Lord consecrate my efforts and being okay with what I'm doing and not using that as a rationalization and not using that as um, an excuse to not do more, but saying I am doing enough and here's things that I can improve. Because for me, that's been just that anxiety. Motherhood can suck you dry. I mean, it can literally be the thing that puts you under And then it can also be the thing that brings you the most joy. And I've just had to kind of find my way in the middle of that. I don't actually really believe in balance necessarily, but I I definitely feel like I've had to wade through that kind of just that motherhood journey to say at different phases of my life, I am doing enough and I can do better, but today it was enough. So what have you learned about... God's role in battling mental illness? Well, that's interesting. I, I can't, I can't deny the fact that there's a huge component of mental illness that needs temporal help, you know, seeking out medical advice and counseling and all of that. But I, this last year, actually interesting that you asked this because I've tried to make the atonement of Jesus Christ, a huge part of my personal study this year. So, so seeking out, you know, books and scriptures and things related to the atonement. And I have realized so much as I have studied this and not only studied it, but tried to incorporate the principles into my life that there is literally nothing that God and the Savior do not understand about our lives. There's nothing, and there's nothing that they cannot fix. Some of those fixes require help on earth. They require other people, and they require us to allow even the divine help to work in our lives. And if anything, because I have kind of a prideful, independent personality, I do feel like I'm learning, and this is this is going to be a lifelong learning, that with struggles like mental health, we have to we have to give it to the lord and and let not not give it up not address it um not put it in a closet and ignore it but we have to literally give it to the lord and allow him to work the spiritual help that we need to make those changes i just i have felt so strongly this past year and it's something i've been trying to teach my kids that there's nothing that our heavenly father and our savior don't understand nothing but it's, and they're there. It's just our responsibility to allow them in our lives to heal us. How would you teach someone who feels distant 
or unfamiliar from deity to access them. You said they're there. They have the ability to heal. How would you teach someone that that's a very foreign or distant feeling from? Yeah, that's a great question. A really good question. And actually a great question because it's something that I've always had in my life. So looking at it from the other perspective, honestly, I would say you just start talking. You start talking. And in some ways, I remember someone once saying, um, sometimes in our lives, we have to take a step into the dark before the light follows. And I feel like that is has been impactful for so many different situations in my life. But this in particular, even if you're not sure you believe, even if you don't know that there's a divine presence, that there's deity, that there's God, that step into the dark may be starting a conversation. Our Heavenly Father wants to hear whether you're on your knees, whether it's a conversation you have in your mind or your heart, and sometimes just starting that out and testing the waters, so to speak, is that step into the dark. And for me personally, I know the light will follow because I know He's there, and I know He will make His presence known if someone is willing and has an open and sincere desire to at least start the conversation. I don't know, maybe maybe it's wrong, but I, I firmly believe that our Heavenly Father and our Savior, they want us to talk to them and they want to talk to us. They're not this they're not this um, unapproachable personage that doesn't want to hear from us. And while it is respectful to use some of those really proper terms when we address them, sometimes they want to hear from us. They want to hear from our hearts, you know, and they want to hear it as raw and as unfiltered as we are because they created us this way. I mean, that's who we are. So yeah, I, I would say start talking and see, see what happens. Such wisdom, such wisdom. And I, I just know that you are so guided that way. And I know that there's someone there that feels that way and, and wants to know how, and I love how much you brought up, just say it raw, just start. Step yeah, in. just start. I've never had somebody say step into the dark, but with your symbolism, it makes so much sense that the dark is often just something unfamiliar. Yeah, it's unfamiliar. It's not bad and it's not wrong. It's just those scary parts of us that don't know, you know, what we're doing. And I have thought of that so many times. Motherhood, I step into the dark all the time. I have a teenager now and I'm seriously like, what? am I doing? Like, who is this person that is living in my home? And who am I? And there have been some particular experiences my husband and I have had this year as we've dealt with him, you know, my son, who's, you know, just such an awesome kid, but struggling as teenagers do and in middle school. And my husband and I have looked at each other and literally in our minds, we're thinking, I know we're both thinking we never thought we'd be dealing with this. And those moments of making that decision of how to parent, of choosing the right consequences, those to me are steps in the dark, but they're, they're made with prayer and they're made with faith. And I just, I can see that so often in my life, how I've done that. Even, you know, even in terms of just blogging, I feel like in a lot of ways, my blog, even starting that was a step in the dark for me. I was at a point in my life that I needed to do something. I had just had my third son and I was just, I, for, for lack of a better word, I was more in the doldrums of motherhood. And I hate to say that because I actually feel very positive about motherhood and I love it so much. But in that particular 
phase of my life, I wasn't, and I was struggling. And I thought, how can I really take anything else on? I had these three little kids. My oldest is three, and um, I don't have more time. But I knew, I knew I needed something, and whether whether it was a blog or something else, and that to me was a little bit scary, even though I started it just as a hobby. Like, how would I, how would I do this, or how would I keep this up? And and I think the light has followed for me, you know, a little bit in that way, and kind of confirmed to me why I had that feeling at the time that I did. And you just so hope that your kids latch on to that, that they Amen. they see their own parents stepping in the dark, trying to right. figure things out instead of this right. perfect couple leading right. and guiding oh, yeah. this family. No oh, perfection here, yeah. Those are yeah. some lucky kids watching you do this. Oh, well, yeah, don't say that, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make them that, listen to this. We will. Yeah, that, that, goes down, that goes down to like if you could be a fly on the wall. And you know what? This is interesting. I, I struggle sometimes with this with online presence and social media because – I want to be authentic and I want to be real, but I also want to be positive. Does that make sense? And I feel like, I feel like there's this, you either have to like tell all the crap and all the bad stuff and make it look like your life is falling apart to be accepted on social media, or you have to have like this picture perfect life. And I am like falling somewhere in the middle, which is, yeah, I have crappy days. And like I said, my kids gag on dinner and you know, I, I have moments of anxiety and all that stuff, but I also want my blog and, you know, social media to be a positive place. And it's been interesting. I've actually, as I've listened to the other women that you've interviewed, I've come away with a lot of good wisdom that way, because it's made me realize you can, you can have both. Does that make sense? Like you, you don't have to just confess all the bad stuff. So people feel like, Oh, she's just like me. And you don't have to have like this picture perfect existence as well. I don't know. That's just more of a side note. I feel like I fall somewhere down the middle, but it is sometimes like that struggle for me of like how much, how much to give, you know, how much to share. Absolutely. And, and so much of what we're seeing with these amazing women that we've been able to sit face to face with is that people really embrace the, the day to day trial and error of trying to figure that out of how much do I share on the positive because there are beautiful things in this world and fabulous experiences and close couples and miracles happening and we don't ever want to shy away from it. We we also want people to see the challenges that we face so that they know how we face them. Yeah, and and how real it can be, yeah. Right, and how raw it can feel and and to hear, hear you even say today just to say we never thought we'd be struggling with these challenges that we are with having a kid in middle school. And I think I almost put my parents in my grave in middle school. <laughs> I just, that really resonated with me to think, oh my gosh, I was that kid. I know, I was, that, I was kid. that kid too, Sarah. I was that kid too. <laughs> and, and to allow a mom to hear from someone she most likely admires like you to just say, you know what, that kid just might be okay. And <laughs> and that we're all going through it and we're all saying, yeah. what is teenagerhood? Like, what is this? Right. And, and I'm not quite there in teenagerhood, so I will call you when that, kind, oh, when yeah. that time yeah, comes. Well, I'll um, make sure I'll tell you all the really positive things about it. And- <laughs> I want to mix. I want to mix. I want both. I want both ends of it for sure. But so, so just, just in closing, you've just been incredible, Mel. You just have so oh, much thanks, to offer. Sarah. And I'm so glad that you have a living, breathing platform where we can connect with you and hear more and 
I just admire so much of what you're doing. I, I have learned, especially from some of my experiences with actually physically being in the same room as you, that women are stronger working together. That there is power in, in women working together for, for a common goal. What is your message to women? Hmm. My message to women, and this includes myself, obviously, would be to be willing to embrace the fact that we each do things differently. And I think my, my real struggle sometimes has been that even when some people do things well, they're criticized for it. It's not that they're criticized for doing things not good or for not having talents. It's that sometimes when you do things well, you're criticized. And I feel, um, for me, my message to women would be, and it almost sums up what you said, that I feel like women can be such a powerful force for good if we come together. And um, if we if we let go, and it's hard because I have them, but if we let go some of those insecurities and we let people define themselves and then we love them for who they are and for who they are telling us they want to be, I think we can have such an influence for good. Not even just those of us that have a presence on social media or that have an online presence, but all of the women in the trenches doing all the things they're doing, working, mothering, being a wife, all of those things. There is so much strength that can come if we band together. And to be honest for me, and this is definitely one I need to work on if we reach out to each other, because it's hard to do sometimes. And it's really easy to stay focused on our own lives. And if, if there's one thing I've learned over the last couple of years with some particular experiences I've had, it's that we need each other. We need each other in ways that can't be filled by anyone other than like fellow women and sisters. And that's, it's an important role. And we each have a space to fill the giver and the receiver of that. And that, that is the perfect message right there is to allow ourselves to fill both roles as givers and receivers. And both of those require vulnerability and absolutely stepping in the dark and just so many things. I'm going to be like writing notes for days, man. <laughs> For days. You're so cute, Sarah. I just love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm so grateful that you would take your precious time to talk with us and to talk with um, the listeners of the Women With Fire podcast. If you have not yet connected with Mel, you need to. And if you want to, to watch her, (laughs) <laughs> as she explores the awesome world of middle school and all sorts of oh, other yes. things. Oh, yeah. and, and also to die for food. There's no lie there. But if you want to connect with her, um, melskitchencafe.com is where you can find her and, and explore more of what, what her world is. I'm so grateful for you, Mel. I just can't, I can't express how grateful I am for your wisdom and for you being so open with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast, 
and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.